Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I made the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. God, I love it when I get to say that. When I say welcome, world, I feel like you guys get excited. I feel like your adrenaline starts to rush. People are in their cars. You're honking your horns. The people at home are slamming pots and pans because you know what it is. It's another episode of Gold Mines. And what do we do here? We get inside the mines. I wait. That's right. I knew you were saying it. Of amazing people. And today's show will be no different. You know what, guys? It's unfair to say today's show will be no different. Because this time, you know it won't. They're all amazing minds. But I feel like the minds just continue to grow. If this was a tree, we would have so many leaves at this point. Because that's how many minds that we have been able to embody, embed, and get inside on this show. Today's show, I have an icon. I have a legend. I have somebody who has done so much for the industry of hip-hop when it comes to style and fashion. Because they made it something that other people didn't realize that they needed. See, fashion is something that everyone thinks that they have. But there's another oomph that people that understand it, that get it, bring. So you can be cool. It's easy to be cool, but then it's hard to be style. The definition of style is one that has levels in it. And some people get it. And some people don't. This person not only gets it, man, they've given it to so many. They've styled the likes of, oh my God, I know Jamie Foxx, I know Jay-Z, I know Zoe. Uh, who else? Who else can I say off the top of my head that you styled? June, who, who, Missy, right? Um, I costume designed for Missy, Buster Rhymes. Yes. Um, By the way, Buster, right. and this is, that's the big part. Don't, don't, don't give up too much because that's the big part that I want to get into. Uh, right now, you also, you're a creative director with Puma right now. I believe in Puma Hoops, which is an amazing accomplishment. I mean, just the world of progression and what you've done and what you continue to do is unreal. Ladies and gentlemen, I have June and Bros on the show. Say hello, hello please, June, hello. to my listeners. How are you, everyone? Did you like my introduction, June? It was, it was good. It had some, it had some, some things. Some some things in there. Yeah, some things in there. What you didn't like? You didn't like my things. Did you like my things? Well, I'm glad we're having this conversation because it's bigger than just styling. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm a costume designer, so my approach to styling is through that lens. And I think people are mm -hmm. still kind of confused by the difference between the two. So I guess it's technical, right? Tomato, tomato. 
No, no, because they are two separate things, but you have done both. Yes. And you do both, right? Yes. So um, the costume designing, you're talking about the world of production. We're talking about mm. videos to involvement in various different projects, movies, et cetera. We're talking about mm-hmm. creating a vision mm-hmm. towards like, mm-hmm. this is a vision. This is what we want it to look like. And and here's how it's going to come to life yeah. through the world of wardrobe and costume. That's a vision. That's an art. And then the art jumps over a bridge when it comes to finding the right look for those that you choose to help find the right look for. Uh, and that's the world of style. That's the, So I do understand how one can go and be merged with the other, but how they shouldn't. Yeah. Like I have a stylist, but that stylist is not my costume designer. Right. I wish I could have the both. I wish it could be both in one, but it can't. It can. It can. <laughs> I'm saying, but she doesn't do what you do. I'm saying like, that's the difference. Yeah, I think that's been my my blessing and my gift. Just that I understand I have the capability of, of doing both things. Like I could design something that I can merchandise and style it, which is, you know, sometimes designers can design something. Was this always the choice out the gate for you? I mean, you know, were you the little girl that was drawing outfits and creating the world of costume as a child or playing dress up or making other people like when did the bug come to life oh from when i was in kindergarten i used to produce my first fashion show in kindergarten like i would i I got all the parents together in the schoolyard and i told mom i said everyone should wear their like best dress and tomorrow we're gonna have a fashion show where did the love for fashion come from you think I used to cut up curtains and make design dresses for my Barbie dolls and get myself into so much mischief. But I needed an outlet creatively. I was just always a creative young person. I didn't know it was a career because I started off in investment banking. Financial literacy was my first entryway into understanding how I was going to go after my entrepreneurial endeavors. I had to work at an institution to understand that this wasn't necessarily for me. And I studied theater and art. I was a theatrical major. I was a drama major in school. Holy shit. <laughs> I have many lives. Holy shit. No, no, no. This is like, I mean, first of all, you just tapped into like four different lives in 30 yeah. seconds. So um, if finance, I mean, that's where you, so that's what you studied in the school. You went, you went to school and you made the choice. No, I studied say, arts. I studied, studied, I arts studied theater. So how the fuck theater. did you make the jump to finance? How did that happen? Because it was an opportunity that was available. That okay. came to me. My, my principal presented it to me and he said, uh, you know, you can continue your education at a college, or you could take this program. And I went into, um, I went to SG Warburg and I worked within the research department and I started, I was like Girl Friday in the research department um, and working with the guys on the floor and helping them to get the analytics and stuff. We didn't have computers back then. It was like, mm-hmm. you couldn't just Google, you know, all this was in the library. So they would come to me and I would get them what they needed before they would make certain moves. So I really got to understand corporate America and I was gonna say, financial like, literacy and build yeah. a portfolio and understand how it works. I mean, I don't think I would have understood it any other way <laughs> or how important it was. That can only just widen your bandwidth in the world that you're in now. I mean, having that uh, like understanding of business, understanding of corporate structure and being able to implement that into the world that you're in now, just by having an idea of org charts and uh, like you said, presentation from decks, portfolio, yeah. 
Yeah, the the whole nine. So from there, okay, you don't want to do this. This isn't where your heart is. Your heart's in the space of fashion. So what do you do? What do you, how do you make the transition from there to back to what you love? But my love for fashion started in costume designing because whenever I didn't get the role at school in a theatrical piece, whether it was a period piece, Antigone or something from the 50s, whatever, I would take on as an elective costume designs because I really Uh wanted to understand the character. How do you build the character? How do you get the character to become? So when I got the opportunity to work in the music space, I took that same philosophy and ideology into the music space. Like, why can't we put looks to these lyrics and build the characters? Why can't we change the narrative visually through this art form? And it was more than just putting clothes together. It was like, what are you trying to convey? Who are you trying to speak to? The customer, the consumer, and how I got the artist to do what I needed them to do was through these methods of costume designing and talking to them like I was an actor or an artist and saying, in order to become, you know, this is the idea and this is how we're going to go about it on taking them outside to their personal personas, I think allowed them to understand where I was going with it. So they didn't feel personally, you know, attacked or attached to where we were going. If that you makes know, sense. I lo- yeah, it makes sense. I love that you're speaking about it from the artistry, like POV. You're, you're an artist, right? And, yeah. you know, when you when you were just talking in the beginning, like, you know, this is a through line that kind of you hear that you want to get cleaned up because it's bigger than just the, the style. It's, it's the artistry that goes into telling a story through the presentation of costume, clothing that should not only mirror and match the character, but allow the character to probably embody more of a performance based on the apparel presented. I'm with you. I'm following it, right? How um, else would I have gotten Puffy into a shiny suit and Mason I mean, into a shiny this suit? This is th- like this is here. This is where we get ready to go. It's like when you talk <laughs> about your vision and we talk about your pitch. So you know, now it's like okay, fuck. I'm going and I'm pursuing the thing that I want to do. Now there's a moment. There's a moment that happens in anybody's career or anybody's, I guess you can say, just forward trajectory and doing the thing that they chose to do, where the light bulb goes off that not only am I good at it, but I'm going to be able to be like one of the best. There's a moment of like, oh shit. After school, like the transition, of course, to the industry, that's a different that's a different lane. That's not like a, you're not going to college and then you're going to music studio and, and saying, here's my resume. Can you please put me with your artist? Like, how the fuck do you get there? How do you, <laughs> how do you somehow make the U-turn to go up the mountain, to go to the right and end up in the space and place where you can really, really Take your artistry to the next level by fucking positioning yourself with some of the most creative artists to date and putting visuals and the concepts to basically mirror their music. How did you get there? How did you fucking get around that curve? Well, first, I think you always have to be a student. I'm always a student. I'm infinitely curious. I'm always in a space, in a room, paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always looking for opportunity. I don't want to miss it. So sometimes I'm, I'm very still. And I think that's really important when you're trying to get to a place. It's like, don't be in such a hurry to, you know, to muck something up. You want to absorb it and understand what exactly you're after. And when so you can see it in its purest form. So when you take an internship at a record company, you just need to be in the room. 
ah. to be in the room is bigger than just being in the room, right? So it's like recognizing where the shortcomings are, where the white space is, where mm. you can actually plant your stake and really become, continue to be a student, you know, learn, give, match your expertise and your knowledge, your superpower with being inquisitive, understanding the subject. And I was always a student of, you know, the artist, the subject, the, the project, whatever it was. I didn't just take it. I wanted to examine it. I wanted to peel it. I wanted to really fully understand how I was going to approach it and attack it and how I was going to win because every job is as good as your last, right? So any opportunity that I got, whether it was small or big, I treated it like it was a big project, a big campaign, because I knew that I was going to use myself for one to attract. The art of attraction is super key. So I'd walk into every room like Edith Head, like Edna from The Incredibles, big glasses, big energy, and a lot of bold and gumption and confidence, right? Your personality and your persona is unmatched. What you do to a room, what you do to a setting is incredible. There's not one. I have not I have not been around one person that has not said, oh, I love June. When you see June, the people around go, I love June. June is so dope. Look at June. Like, there's not <laughs> one. It's something about you that is just, you have a contagious, affectionate spirit about you. And it's always fun. It's always a smile. You're never like down. I've never seen you angry or down or disappointed or what. And you, that's not to say you never are. I'm saying I've never seen it to speak to what yeah. you're speaking to now. So I can see where you're coming from and how like you've made that an important piece to your puzzle, your presentation. That first appearance is everything. Well, thank you. To me, it's like when you're given the opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. It's a very selfless act, mm. you know, and it's bigger than me. It's always bigger than me. And I always knew that in, on this journey that this was going to be part of my contribution to change and make a difference in whether it was one person or a group at a time's life. It was more than, you know, you know, it was just not me like coloring in a coloring book. Like I recognize that someone drew these lines before I started coloring them in. And that subject, you know, meant so much to me. Now you're an intern, you're soaking up information, you get an opportunity. What was the first opportunity or who was the first artist? Yeah. What was the first one? He was, it was an artist called DJ Quayshawn. He was, an, I was working at Uptown MCA as an intern, Uptown MCA Records, Andre Harrell's record label. Okay. Puffy was just getting out of his internship. He was in A&R. I remember walking into his office for the first time. I helped him write his little resume. And, you know, he, you know, he was looking at Collectioni fashion magazines because we didn't have like style.com or we couldn't Google collections in Europe. You had to buy the magazines. They came in these big formatted print copies and they were like $200. So you had to be balling, you know, to get one. And that was my first introduction to him. And we just kind of kicked it off and from him being like over the top and me being over the top. <laughs> they say Puffy um, used to walk around the office without a shirt back in the day. He yes. Was, yeah. I was, got him though immediately. Like I yeah. totally understood. He just was like, he wanted attention. Like, you know, it's like, and as an, as an, as another attention grabber, I understood what he was after. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so the artist that I got to work on didn't even come from the label. The manager came by Uptown MCA Records to sell another project, and he was talking to the guy that I was interning for in the marketing department about this artist he has on Sony Music, 
And he was like, he's a rapper, it's a single deal, blah, 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 blah. He was, you know, his name was DJ Quickshaw. And he's a corny kid. He was a corny kid, really sweet kid. <laughs> but they wanted to figure out how they were going to make him cool. And I had no idea, like, where the clothes even came from before they got to retail. All I knew was that I, I knew from theater how we would build stuff, how we would just stress stuff and, you know, whether I was going to make him a, a peasant or, you know, do something that was retro or vintage or whatever. But it was none of that. So the initial working with him was about making him stylistically look good. Okay. And, you know, the manager was like, well, let me see your work. And I was like, I am my work. Oh. <laughs> it was like, oh, it was like, <laughs> I'm the I'm my proof of concept right I here. I was like, you can't pull that off nowadays, but this was next year will be 30 years I've been Holy in the business. Shit. I incorporated in 1994. Congrats. I started my own business. So thank oh my you. God. Yeah. Congrats. Good for and, you, John. Yeah, huge accomplishment. I feel good about that. Um, you know, he gave me a shot. He gave me the weekend to get, he said, well, I need to see something visually. So over the weekend, I put together a presentation. I said, let me hear the music. Like I said, I examine it. I want to look at it from every, I'm, I was a Rubik's cube kind of girl. So I would love to, you know, I was like, let me hear the music. I was like, let me get some more information. I spent the weekend. I came back with a presentation with a mood board and I had some proof of concept and ideas and things I wanted to, you know, to do and how I wanted to approach it. He was impressed. And he gave me a shot. Now, I remember showing up to the set with very little options. And the publicist, i never forget, this was the best life lesson. He said, uh, this is it? He was like, you, I said, well, you asked for three looks. And that's what I put together was three looks. And he was like, no, sweetie, you always have options. He snapped his fingers, read me to filth. Yeah, he was my fairy queen mother. And... Um, I said, okay, I was a fixer. I, I never made excuses. If okay. you're unhappy, I'm a fixer. No you problem. You want the solution. Solution. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. blame anyone. I'm not going to say I didn't have enough money. I'm not going to say you didn't tell me. Just fix it. And that's what I did. I worked it out. They were very happy. And the rest was history. I left my little internship that I had for like not even three weeks. I was there for maybe like, <laughs> and I said, I'm off to the races. Off to the goddamn races. But okay. I got to tell you, some things happened in between. I was going to say, I was gonna say right. with him, what was the what was the DJ's response? Like, I know you talked to the publicist, but was the DJ blown away? Like, with the options that you provided, with these, did he like his look? Like, what was his? This kid was his first little single opportunity. He was just too happy. He was happier than pigs and shit. He didn't got know it. what was going on. He would do whatever I want. You got know, it. he didn't know it was my first time. You know, and Billy Woodruff was the director. Oh. So it was everybody's first time. Okay. It was Billy Woodruff's first project. Yeah. It was just all like... Everybody's new. I love, I love that new. you have these stories, though, because you're talking about 30 years in a business. So in that 30 years, you've seen so much change. You've oh. seen so many people that started from the bottom that have now made it to the top, right? Like in various different groups or or yeah, genres uh, of entities music. yeah like you you've seen it you've been there firsthand i mean from the receptionist to now who's you know president of a record label to you know the inter- i mean oh it's my like God. look at sylvia rome i mean like all and julie greenwall and all these women that i remember being around in the early years that are now running record labels i beat this was before downloading this before 360 you know partnership deals this is before everything I was doing music videos that were $50,000, a whole entire budget. 
And Jesus. then we ended up getting to $4.1 million music videos. This, this is film budget. We were yeah. doing music videos that were like $4 million. I love that you <laughs> literally have watched the entire ecosystem around music change. And of course, like for the better in many ways, some ways for the worse, but you've been there and you've seen it. And the fashion industry too, though. The fashion industry, it wasn't like I could call up high fashion houses and be like, give me a runway look number 22. I didn't have that luxury. I had Missy Elliott before she was Missy Elliott. I had a lot Mm -hmm. of the artists I was working with at the inception of their careers. You know, so it wasn't like I could just say to them, this is going to be great promo for you and great marketing. It wasn't like, and and this is black music. Now, only people that played our videos were Video Music Box. It wasn't even BET just yet. So we got to BET. And then how do you get MTV and VH1 to play the music? Because in order for the music to cross over and grow the genre, that was the goal. You had to get more eyeballs on it. So we wanted to create art and visuals that felt very commercial commercial enough that you didn't look at it as color, you looked at it as art. And how do you do that, right? You have to start building out these like costumes and these storytelling moments that felt like they were from another universe. Well, let's also let's also just take a second just to kind of highlight this is when video was king. Like we're talking about where the video component to your song was so important. Yeah. The visuals that you were given the audience, that's what the the popping factor to a lot of the music was because that's what yeah. created the side of, God, I want that, or I want to yeah. go there. Man, I want that car. I want to look like that. Look how cool they, look how they dress. Like from whatever it was, it came Lifestyle. for our culture. It came from the clear POV that was presented to us from this world of music video. Right. Like that. So when you talk about just the growth from where it started to the transition to BET and then to the VH1 MTV. And when you look at how hip hop has expanded throughout the years, it's because of the awareness and that awareness, of course, reaching the point to where it got global. I always looked at hip hop like rock and roll. Like if it was secular music, I knew that one day it was going to be hip hop music. I knew that it was going to be the number one genre in the world. That was my dreams and aspirations for it. I never dealt with hip hop artists in its pure existence. Oh, it's like you were from the hood. That didn't mean I dressed you like you were from the hood. I dressed you like where I felt I was forecasting. Like we're living in the future Mm. of what we were forecasting back then. We're living in it now. Like I had the foresight. I was like, this is what I want for us. You know, I grew up in the Bronx, in the South Bronx. I knew what it was like to have dreams and aspirations, but I saw myself in these different places and spaces. And I felt like to put us in these places were the only way that we were going to create awareness and have people see us for our true sense of value, Mm. style, and taste. Mm. Love that. What's happening now, you see like, you know, Balenciaga may be doing like the whole, you know, the whole grungy urban street and it's like, it's urban decay. For us, it was all about opulence and decadence. Mm. It was all about, you know, it was all about like regality. It was all about, you know, this eccentricity and rich and it it was excessive and it was chinchilla furs and beautiful diamonds and it was LeMay fabrics. It was all of those things that took what they thought the narrative was and it changed the narrative and it took it out of context. And we rewrote our stories through this art form of style and design. 
It's so dope. It's so dope to hear you talk the way that you talk and just break it down. I mean, I hope that my listeners are taking away just the depth and what you're speaking with or and how you're speaking just about the journey. I got to go to your next artist. Like, okay, so we go from the DJ. More Gold Mines with Kevin Hart after this. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I got the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Now more from Kevin Hart on Gold Mines. I got to go to your next artist. Like, okay, so we go from the DJ. It's a forward trajectory. Like, before you got to the to the Missies and the Puffs, like, who was next? Who was after that? It's like, okay, I've learned some lessons. Now let me go and take the next step up. So it was Rock Nation. Well, before it was Rock Nation, Jay-Z and Damon Dash had a record label. Mm-hmm. And the artist that I had worked with, his cousin was um, Damon's cousin, and he was like, oh, you know, we have these artists we're trying to develop, and won't you come and work with us with that? And in the midst of working to help them develop their artists, Jay wasn't even an artist yet. Mm-hmm. He was a mogul. He was a businessman. Mm-hmm. The good thing is, after leaving investment banking, I had a little bit of a nest egg. So I had a little bit of a, an, an, an a advantage. Cushion. Yeah, a little, a little financial cushion. cushion. So could, there you go. Yeah, so I, I could do some things, and I could look yeah. a certain way. But... What was beautiful about it is that I also understood, like, you know, marketing. And so I, I ended up meeting the owners of Cross Colors and Carl Kanai. Wow. Okay. <laughs> While I was, remember Cross Colors and Carl Kanai? Yes. You know? yes. Yeah. So I met TJ Holmes and Carl Jones at their showroom in New York while I was trying to figure out how I was going to get some some things to work with the artists. I don't have to spend all the budget on retail things and spend money buying and building clothes. I had, I had to balance it. So I had to put a little bit of the design pieces to, you know, to, to elevate certain things. And I had to style some things to really make it make sense. So I met the guys and I had a really in-depth three-hour conversation with them when I first met them. Then they offered me a job. 
being the wow. marketing director. So I was the youngest East Coast marketing director. Tyson Beckford, I gave him his first runway show. Michael K. Williams was one of my models. I, before he even became wow. an actor, I worked with Michael. Um, Michael walked my shows as well. I put him in the campaigns. I thought he was so polarized and striking, told him he should go into acting. Um, you know, shooting Tupac for campaigns. I was doing all the bus campaigns. I was doing all the trade shows. I was doing all the marketing plans. I was doing all the retail activations. In the midst of that, I was also product placing with a lot of celebrities and I was meeting the celebrities and using the collections to build those relationships. Holy shit. I know, it's a lot. What do you mean? <laughs> this is so dope. This is what the podcast is about. Like, it's the gems. It's the story. It's the foundation underneath the person, right? Like, June is not just June. She's There's a story to why June is June and why you are where you are. And I love this. I love... By the way, you know what I'm intrigued by the most as we're talking? It's like, you know... The fish out of water that gets in the water and never complains about the water. Like you just learn how to swim in it. And every environment that you're talking about, it's about you like adapting, you know, um, yeah. the world of finance was, okay, I'm going to make the best of it. I did. All right. Now, you know what? Let me get out of here. This isn't really where my heart is. And then after that, I stumble mm -hmm. into this place and the fashion is speaking to me, this world of design, this world of storytelling through fashion and, and costume. Okay. I'm here. You know, what the first one has some feathers and a little bit of ruffling but i learned a little bit let's keep it going all right i then yeah. meet the world of, of rockefeller which which of course is dame and jay in those early days and now you're talking about being a marketing director. now you're talking about <laughs> like infusing the world of opportunity and marketing promotion with the side of fashion costume so the runway shows are that's all promotion at that point we're doing things mm -hmm. to elevate product but now you're at the fucking top you're running the show and, and navigating how this stuff is going to happen while at the same time creating an incubator where you can put talent in that we don't know is going to be the talent of tomorrow yet. These are just yeah. people that you have outsourced and you would be great. You look good. Come work, come do. And ultimately these people end up becoming who they were. This is the fucking stories, man. This is the dope thing about discovery. It's amazing yeah. to me. All right. So it's going right now. I mean, you got a groove. I'm on a roll. I'm, you know, I, I'm fashion editor of source magazine. I'm, ruffling things up. I'm doing hip hop music videos. I'm bringing in the LGBTQ community. The kids are voguing on set. I'm changing the, breaking all the barriers, breaking all mm. the rules. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. we're doing things that shouldn't be done. Um, I remember when we shot our first Jay-Z music video, you know, and Jay finally decided, okay, he's going to be an artist. <laughs> was Who was your there. first one? Who was the I first one? I worked video? with Jay. Um, it was, is it the black and white music video? Can't knock the hustle. Can't knock, Can't the, knock hustle? the hustle. Yeah. Yep. Then we went to Jamaica. We were Taking feeling out this time. time. Mm -hmm. Give mm -hmm. you peace of my mind. Yep. Yes. Very good. Yep. Yes. Great video. Shot it in black and white. Beautiful. Then, you know, it was on. It was on and popping after that. We went to Jamaica. I made Jay his first suit. It was a yellow linen suit for your feeling it music video. It was mm -hmm. very kind of Al Pacino, soft shoulders, very Armani. I really wanted to get Armani. But I, we had to get to that place where I could get Amani's attention. So that's when I started really kind of building out certain things visually, like if the treatment required certain things and I couldn't find it, I would just design it and go into the garment district, source it, you know, hire a pattern maker and build it. The garment mm -hmm. district was our ateliers. I was opening up my own ateliers like we were in Paris. You know, we opened our own cutting room, you know, tables because we didn't have, you know, a choice. 
Once and, again, you don't, you're not talking about the problems. You're always talking about the solution and the things that you couldn't yeah. get or that you didn't have. Now you're talking about you just creating it, you making it, you designing it and going to get the people that can help you make it outsource. And it. keep in mind, it's a very, it was a very male driven, it was a boys club. Mm-hmm. I didn't intern with any stylists or any designers before. I literally, when I said to you, I had to become a student. I was reading books. I was watching films. I was, you know, literally examining and understanding and learning as I go, you know. And when I say I am so grateful to the backs that I stood on, Black culture literally gave me the life that I have, you know, hip hop music, those artists. I'm so eternally grateful to them. You know, the directors that Hype Williams, who, you know, once we partnered and worked together, he wouldn't do the music video without me. You know, we worked with Will Smith. We worked with artists that hadn't worked with me before. He was like, well, this is who I come with. Isn't that amazing? You want me to do the job. Isn't that amazing, though? Like the idea, concept of real alignment and like just real, real relationships in the business. Like people that genuinely say we're building together and the work that you did was incredible. And I refuse to like do this with anybody else because I think together we can do so much more like that concept. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about hype, shout out to hype Williams, um, you know, a, a true legend um, in the hip hop world and just the creative space of directing, you know, the visuals yeah. that he brought to, to we the, did belly. What, what do you, it's like, it's insane. When you, when I you think about, belly. when you think about this shit, June, like this, has, you have to pinch yourself. Like, do you understand? Do. Like these are, these are cultural landmarks that you're talking about. You're talking about right now. They just did the book of Hove and then some of the visuals. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the videos that you just broke down. You know, you're talking yeah. about the black and white concept as being one of his most legendary photos that you can go to with him. I can go through the space of hip hop and what I would like to call the landmines, the things that blew people up. Belly DMX was DMX that the like the highest point of DMX when Belly came out. And here's the thing. It wasn't a bad movie. Belly was like, Belly was a classic. Like the hoods loved Belly. They loved the story. I mean, they're, they're still playing Belly in theaters. Like it's like there's this generation. My son is 22. My daughter's 19. My kids know my work and they respect the work as if it was new. It's, it's just, it's the most humbling experience. The fact that I get to work with someone like a, you know, a Jay-Z from the inception of his career and continue to work with him. And he's created Still so there. many opportunities for me. Even Missy Elliott, like relationships that we just like, we're family. Like we just, they just won't go away. Well, and- Missy, I feel like what you were able to do with Missy and with Puff, right? I think this is where the art side just needs a, a moment of fucking celebration. This is where the concept of visual visual fun and quality, it started to mirror and match with the music videos, right? Like, you know, yeah. you with Missy, it it's like, well, she's not just this phenomenal rapping talent. Missy was a fucking personality and you found a way to pop her personality more with she the wardrobe. She was so shy. Choices. She's so shy. And it was oh like, God. if you listen to the lyrical content, how provocative it was mm-hmm. and how racy it was, she talked mm-hmm. about popping her pussy and, you know, mm-hmm. but then Missy herself was this v- sweet, tender Virginia girl, super shy. 
Like literally when we would shoot, we'd have to literally close off the curtains because people staring at her performing Mm -hmm. was too much. And it was, the costumes really gave her the superpower that she needed. Absolutely. It it built that character, that artistic persona in a way that was untouched and unmatched. Busta Rhymes, all the music videos I've done with Busta Rhymes throughout his career. The way we just, we didn't ask for permission. We took creative license to everything that we worked on. And I think that part was the biggest blessing because we didn't have social media or cancel culture. Or I remember when we did paint Missy's face black and um, put, you know, diamonds on her eyebrows and got a little Puff feedback. Called us, Puff called us. And was like, <laughs> you got a little far. Okay. All right, guys. He's this like, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, put her in black face. <laughs> he was like, he was like, I can't do that. But I mean, we also, you know, nailed him to a cross in a music video yeah. too, and hate yeah. me now, and like we were just all out of control. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so. it was a time when you were pushing the limits. You were pushing the limits until somebody told you you were at the limit. And by the way, oh, you don't yeah. know you're at the limit sometimes until you get the tap on the shoulder. Of, huh? Puff pulling up, Puff pulling us didn't go viral. It was just behind the veil, you know. Yeah, but yeah. at that point, the job was done. But could we do that now? I don't know. Like Doja Cat painted herself, you know, and put stones all over her face recently in Paris, but it wasn't blackface. Yes, this is the most recent video, right? She just did like a crazy art. uh, art, They referenced the work. They're still referencing the work. I'll never forget when Virgil Abloh, the late Virgil Abloh, you know, texted me and told me that he is creating a collection around belly, Mm. you know, said that was his inspiration. For me, you know, I'm like the Wizard of Oz still. I didn't go into it looking to be celebrated. I went into mm-hmm. it looking to change, you know, how we were being seen and perceived from a, like a politician. I approached it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about to be famous or celebrated. The work was celebrated, not me. Mm-hmm. So I recognize that my work is bigger than me, myself. And that to me gives me, makes me feel completely whole. That's, well, I think it's, that's what I, I feel think you. Of. You're celebrated, right? You can't downplay the attachment of celebration for yourself because the work is great. The work that you've done is great. But right now, I mean, you know, you're coming up on 50 years of hip hop, right? You're coming up like on a real 50th anniversary that hip hop has been going on. And there's a trajectory of so much work that's went into elevating the idea of what hip hop is. And your involvement in the elevation of... Is so significant. You don't have to talk about it. I'm just telling you as a fan of the culture, as a fan of hip hop and a fan of the various different, you know, various different talent, right? The crazy amount of talent that has come up through the years. When you look at the things that are attached to some of the ones that we love, some of those big moments, you know, June, you're all over a lot of them, right? Like as you talk about hype and you talk about the relationship and the work that you guys did together, well, you're all over a lot of it. Like the puff yeah. in those days of, you know, the bad boy craze, right? And you talk about the shiny yeah. suits and the locks the, and the all, leather like basketball the, jerseys the, and the you leather know. basketball jerseys, the baseball bats, the high socks. Yeah. Like you're talking about creating the images that will last for a lifetime that ultimately are the visual landmarks for what the various different hip-hop entities became and were, right? So now, now you're talking about 
things like Virgil, rest in peace. But the Pharrell, now, you know? now it's Pharrell, right? Where he is as a creative director. You're talking about you being a creative director. You're talking about now the progression of the culture and the industry where we weren't allowed to be. And the same way that you're talking about the music industries and you're like, oh my God, the girls that were working the desk are now running it. They're now the CEOs. They're now the operating officers or the chairmen, whatever. The progression through the years and those that are still standing, but standing in a position of power because of the work that they've done, that has to be celebrated. That has to be mentioned. I see you during the fucking fashion weeks and things in Paris. You're in the front row and not because you're given a favor, but because you're supposed to be there. You're speaking to the highest of the high, the mid and the low. It doesn't matter. You are in the space and place that you have spent the high amount of time of your life and fucking like giving your all. And it's now you're in return, the acceptance and the appreciation, I feel like, is warranted and it's dope. It's dope to see. It's fucking dope to see. I'm really grateful. I still have fun. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> it shows. I want you to talk to me yeah. about Puma. I mean, let's talk about the full circle moment here. All right. You talk about being there at the beginning stages with Hove and The Rock, and that turned into this crazy fucking monster of a business and the elevation of him and hip hop, et cetera. He then goes and takes on a job at Puma and is in charge of a certain entity there. And in doing that now, you're looking at the dots connecting again. Like June is mm-hmm. now there and you're now the creative director for like, what's the goal here? Tell me what you, what are you aspiring to do with Puma? What change do you want to bring and see? Well, it was just another culture shifting opportunity, right? The, the space in which I entered working with the brand was in women's basketball And Mm -hmm. that was an unproven space. That was like, what is women's basketball as it relates to apparel and categories? You you had other brands taking a go at it. But for this particular brand, they had female basketball assets, but it wasn't anything that was really designated to them. And we Mm -hmm. knew that there was a lot of conversation that should be happening around women in the space, the inequality in pay, just everything in general, the way that the business was designed. There was so much opportunity to really kind of stir up a conversation through this vehicle of putting out, launching a women's category in Mm -hmm. women's basketball. So I didn't know the way the whole thing came about. I'm married to my partner, my business partner. He reached out to Jay and he said, I think, you know, you should bring June in. And, you know, Jay was like, I like the way it sounds. But then Jay asked me why. And Emery Jones, you know, who initially was like, oh, I want to bring you over. We didn't really know to do what, right? It was just like... I was always a girl in the room that they know they can count on if there was an opportunity. But, you know, Jay walked it in and, and my marching orders was do what you do. So, you know, shifting culture and, you know, being able to launch a women's basketball collection for the brand that was very successful was what we intended to do. We did. Right. Huge. It was provocative. It was different. It allowed me to really tap into the way things were done. Then the brand asked me to go to work with them on motorsport. Then the brand asked me to bring them back to New York Fashion Week. So now I'm outside of the one particular category. Within the last four years that I've worked with the brand, this will be my fourth year, closing out in December, my fourth year working with the brand. I bought them back to New York Fashion Week. This was the first time they were showing for Fashion Week as a brand itself, as Puma. 
because, you know, Puma's done Fashion Week with Fenty. And, but we showed them that we can sit in this space, that the brand can be seen in streetwear, that the brand could be seen in, in spaces and places that not just active wear, not just performance. So I mixed performance with fashion and style and, you know, it was future great. It was, you know, it was, it was what I said we were doing back in the 90s. I bought to the runway, us living in the present and the future. We're living in the future. Well, the brand is such a, is such a multi-hyphenate. The, the brand yeah. has so many different levels to it. And I think the culture integration towards the brand has been significant. Like, I think they're doing a phenomenal yeah. job. Um, yeah, what well, Rock your Nation point, brings to it is incredible. It's, just, you it's know? incredible, right? Like, and to your point, just about women's basketball and, and general, highlighting that in a manner to where it's like, we're going to pay real attention and we're going to give something that has an impact that has a real impact and a presence that the women that play the game with love and people on the outside have to pay attention to. There there was a key right there, on the court, off the court, Mm -hmm. you know, humanizing them in a sense of, you know, wives, sisters, mothers, you Mm -hmm. know, daughters. You don't look at the female athlete, basketball athlete in that way. And it's like, and also I'm five foot two. What do I know about basketball would be the question. I'm not a basketball player, but here I am leading this. But what I am is I know that life is a sport and I play to win. Mm. And I know that, that the brand is rooted in performance and I know I'm rooted in style. So it's style by design. And I created a collection that attracted the consumer who wasn't necessarily on the court, but she wanted something that made her feel empowered, that made her feel like it was bigger than her, that made her feel like she could be anything she wanted to be in it. And that's what the collection was driven by and created by strength and power and style. I think it's phenomenal. I, I really do. And I, I think, you know, just the... Just what you're talking about is just so dope. I, I can't say it enough. I I love to see people win. I love to hear stories of how they won or how they're winning. And more importantly, I love people that just aren't afraid to try. And Jen, you just you come off like as a person who's just not afraid to try. Like you're in it to win it and enjoy the road of whatever that road is that's going to take you to where you feel you can go. And, you know, those roads got some fucking cobblestone on it at times, but the person that's enjoying yeah. it, the person that's happy about the process, nine times out of 10 is going to get the full, the full feeling of it and the full result of it at the same time. And that's yeah. joy. That's happiness. You seem so fucking happy. And I love good that. things happen to good people. I, I love that. I love the smile. You're a good person. I love the spirit. <laughs> Where? What else do you want at this point? At this time in your life, you're talking about coming up on 30 years in the business, right? Yeah. 30 years of some life-changing moments and opportunities. What else do you want? Yeah, my curiosity in so many other lifestyle spaces is so, like, it's calling. The universe has the ability to attract so many other stars and planets. And I know there's some places I have visited. I saw that you were just in Rwanda. There's resources and things that are calling my name that I've been working on, that I'm working on. It's just the next chapter for me. I'm, you know, I'm hungry. I love the the universe. You said it twice. I love the, I love the universe. I I quoted the first time and I (laughs) quoted just now. I like that you're referring to it as that, right? Like what, whatever it is that, that you feel called. I am my AI. I am my authentic, my authentic intelligence (laughs) is what will continue to create opportunity for me. 
I love it, June. I I love it. And I know that you see the result of me seeing you every time. I light up when I see you. I think you just... I love seeing you. I genuinely get happy when I see you because it's just something about you. And I don't take this for granted. I wanted to talk to you for a reason. And I felt that people, they need to know the journey of so many. And you're a journey that people should definitely know and understand. And I think for my listeners, what I want you to do is just further educate yourself on June, right? Further educate yourself on her story and just give yourself a little road down her timeline. And you will be blown away by how many things she has been connected to. And the artists, the talent, the execs, the now CEOs and or chairmen, some of the biggest moguls that we know, they started off in a place where June was alive. And I think that's dope as fuck to see trajectory while having your own. She didn't just watch the goddamn game. She played it as well. And I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again for you guys that are listening. Right? It's one thing to be around the success and watch it happen. It's another thing to figure out how to create yours simultaneously. It all doesn't have to be the same. Everybody can win. You got to figure out where your wins are. That's what the fuck June did. She got around it. She was in a room and that room led to more rooms and those rooms led to other rooms. At the end of the day, that's how you win. You win by surrounding yourself with winners because that's contagious. You got no choice but to fucking pick up or you'll get left behind. She didn't get left behind. Fucking June. I love it, June. <laughs> June, to I love June, it. June to June. That's my year. Starts in June and ends in June. <laughs> Thank you so much for allowing us an opportunity to get into the universe. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what this is. This is gold mines. We get inside the minds of amazing people. And I told you, today would be no different. Message of the day, respect the journey. I respect yours, June. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your platform. Thank you. <laughs> You're so dope. So dope. Gold Mines with Kevin Hart is a Sirius XM and Laugh Out Loud radio production. Executively produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. Additional production from Elise Ellis and engineered by Marcus Hamm. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.